Welcome back, everybody, to the second volume of the U-Press Play Sports Edition. I'm your new host, uh, Richard Pereira, and the sports editor. Joining alongside, alongside me today is photo editor Esten Parker and contributing writer Kevin Garcia. Hey, hey guys, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Glad to be back from Gainesville. Yeah, we're happy to be back from this hi a long hiatus with the sports podcast. And this weekend was a very eventful one for us FAU fans, especially with football that went down on Saturday. Essen went to Gainesville himself, too. He probably had a, a, a lot of fun taking a lot of photos uh, again between FAU and the Gators. Uh, unfortunately, that fun would be limited as we did not complete the upset against UF as we lost 35-14. Esten, what, what were your thoughts uh, watching the game? Um, well, altogether, I, I don't think either team played that great, to be honest. I think, uh, I think Florida could have put the game away really early, especially in the first quarter when they got off to a 14 lead. I was really concerned that it was going to be a blowout at that point because it was starting to look that way. But um, credit to FAU, they were in their defense. They were able to pick off Emory Jones twice, um, one in the red zone also, which, you know, they, they were really good signs that we showed um, in this game and got some big plays in the fourth quarter, which was really exciting. Um, and also on a side note, the atmosphere there was – absolutely electric um there were over eighty-six thousand people there um the first full game back you know since um since the COVID restrictions have pretty much been lifted um and it was it it, it was not only an unforgettable night for me but I think for the players also to be in that environment I think that that type of experience will help them into the uh like as we go further into the season especially when they're playing some big away games so um, but altogether, I, I think that while FAU lost um, and they didn't play exceptionally well, I mean, giving up six sacks is not a good start. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There were definitely some good – there were some good things to take away from this game. So, Yeah, I completely agree that it, was, it wasn't the best game FAU could have had against a team like the Gators, but it's, it's the Gators. It's a high-quality team you're facing from the SEC – a powerhouse like it's very hard for FEU knowing the circumstances that it is for them to actually beat the Gators and the one thing we wanted them to do at the very least was be competitive and for the most part they were testing UF and one of the edges we had over them was the passing game uh, our our deputant Nikosi Perry had a basically one the got the edge over uh, Emory Jones at passing for 261 yards uh, in contrast to uh, Jones 153 yards so it's pretty clear that Perry is pretty much the starting quarterback for FAU he, he's a clear-cut he's a clear-cut starter he's the number one option so that 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 is a bright spot FAU should have to take advantage of as the season plays out uh, Kevin do you have any thoughts to bring about FAU yeah I mean we got to talk about the spread right oh yeah it covers the spread so yeah, that's just I think it was unexpected, uh, unexpected. But yeah, I, I was impressed. 
to say the very least, especially in Perry. I mean, going up against a top 15 team, it's just, un, you know, that's a good, I mean, it's a good sign for him as a quarterback coming in, going in against the Gators and doing what he did, looking really good. So it's good to see. And then, like I said, covering the spread, that's what we needed. <laughs> yeah, that's true indeed. We did cover the spread. Um, FEU's next game will be on 9-11 at 3.30 p.m. against Georgia Southern. The last time we uh, faced Georgia Southern, it wasn't pretty. We didn't record a touchdown in last – we didn't record a touchdown last season against them. So hopefully we have a better – have a better performance against them uh, on Saturday. So good luck to the Owls. And fans, go to the stadium. We need as much fans at the stadium as we possibly can. Now we move forward to FEU soccer. And the men's soccer, <laughs> I'm just having a lot of fun. This is pretty much the best start FEU men's soccer has had, winning its first three games for the first time since 1996. Uh, I went to the game on Friday against Kaiser. Essen was with me as well. And we, we were just overjoyed that FEU was pretty much revitalizing itself after a successful campaign in the spring and they're continuing on that in this season in the fall. So this is, <laughs> and Ivan Mikolenko, he has three goals in three games so far. He already has half of his goals. And after three games from last season, he recorded six last year, and now he has three in three games. So he, it looks like he will pass that goal mark again and probably climb up the charts of all-time goal scoring list for FAU in FAU history. So. Esten, what do you think? I think they showed a lot of perseverance too, especially after Kaiser got off with the uh, with the one 0 lead early in the second half. It was, I mean, Richard, you, as you stated, you and I were both there. It was, it was exciting to watch, but it was frustrating to see Kaiser get that first goal because we yeah. created a lot of chances, and the goal that was given up was, it was really unfortunate, uh, a really unfortunate error by. Um, by our goalie, who is his name is escaping me at the moment, but um, uh, a really good response from FAU with Mikolenko's penalty, um, as you said, getting closer and getting further up on the uh, on the scoring charts, and another a, a fantastic goal from uh, the uh, edge Jose of the box. What what a shot! Um, it was a, a real pretty curler. Um, but altogether, even on the defensive end, like a really strong outing. Um, and like you said, Richard, they're really carrying the momentum that they've got from, from the spring and getting off to a flying start. And it's, it's looking like they're really building, uh, they're really building something special for this season. Yeah. That's one of the expectations I was having on them that, that they build off of their success back in the spring and carry it forward to the fall. And right now, they've done that. Uh, FAU's uh, next game uh, will be on Thursday against the University of Texas uh, Rio, at Rio Grande Valley, or abbreviated UTRGV, on Thursday at 7. So if they can go 4-0, which has been a long time since they've had a record like that, if if they even had a record like that in history. So they just got to keep it up. They got to keep it up, stay undefeated as long as they possibly can and carry that momentum into conference play, which be, which will be absolutely crucial if they want to go further 
past their conference tournament. Next up is uh, women's soccer. And their most recent games, they suffered a 1-0 overtime loss to Murray State on Friday. But they were able to bounce back with a 2-0 victory over Troy University on Sunday. So right now, their record is uh, two wins, three losses, and a draw. So while it's a slight improvement from last season, they, they still got uh, some growing pains to take care of. They're pretty much having an up-and-down season. So, Esten, what are you thinking of what FE Women's Soccer must do to improve? Um, I think you really nailed it. They've been really up and down so far, and they need to build some sort of consistency, um, whether it's at the attacking end with the combination of, um, I think it's Bria Jones and our number nine, who, again, her name is escaping me at the moment, but it, we've had moments where we just so, don't seem to be, we don't seem to control the ball very well. Um, and again, we've had flashes of excellence in, play, in playing really well. I mean, that, that initial game against Oakland is still, that was a complete performance by us. Um, and showed that even some of the younger players like Kalen Johnston coming in as a freshman and stepping up, getting a, getting a goal, like there's, there's talent there but that consistency has got it. It's got to start coming through. Um, but I think getting that win against Troy was, uh, was a good response, especially after losing in overtime at home on Friday night. So um, hopefully they can build off of that win and maintain some success, especially as we get into conference play. Uh, Kevin, any thoughts on any thoughts to build off of what we said? Oh, I gotta be honest. I don't really follow soccer that closely. It's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's hard <laughs> when the coverage is uh, limited. It's hard to know about it. But yeah, uh, every woman, every men's and women's soccer, it's pretty clear that uh, one is having a lot of success while the other is having uh, ups and downs. But hey, um, it, that's how it is. And we're just hoping for the best as the season goes forward. Uh, women's soccer's next game is on, uh, I, I forget, um, I'm pretty sure, oh, uh, Thursday against the University of South Florida, USF on Thursday at seven. So on the road. So, and the last game they had against USF, it was a 3-0 defeat. And me and Esten were there as well. It was just a dominant defensive performance on USF's part. So FAU should look to bounce back from that and try to get a draw at the very least or pull off an upset victory over the Bulls. So good luck to them. And before we uh, finish our section for FAU sports, I want to give a shout out to the volleyball team, FAU Women's Volleyball. They started the season 5-1. They are currently on a four-game winning streak. So congrats for them. And keep up the pace, keep up the momentum, and keep on winning. Now, the NFL. Week one is on the way on Thursday. The first game of the season will be the Bucks and the Cowboys, the reigning Super Bowl champions and the team that is looking to revitalize themselves. So what are our expectations going into this NFL season? Honestly, I think if we're going to make general predictions here, 
especially with this first game. I, I'm really interested to see how Dak Prescott will play because he hasn't played since, uh, you know, since he sustained his injury. He hasn't played all preseason. He's been dealing with a new injury. I believe it's with his shoulder. Um, and the Cowboys are, to me, kind of an enigma because they really struggled. They've been struggling without Dak, but at the same time, they still have Ezekiel Elliott. They have CeeDee Lamb. They have a lot of playmakers on that team. Um, but, you know, where they go, I, I think it, it all, a lot of it depends on the health of Dak Prescott. And But the Buccaneers, I mean, what else can be said? They were the, the first team in the Super Bowl era to return all 22 of their starters. And, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and it's scary to think that they've improved. Um, I, I see Tampa getting an opening win, but for a general prediction, you know, there's the Chiefs look really, they're probably going to be extremely good again, if not favorites in the AFC. And I guess behind them, you got to put Buffalo um, yeah. and not it, – it, I don't know on either – in either conference who's going to be able to realistically challenge both the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. Um, it's almost like they're your top – like there's your top two teams and then there's that tier where they're really good, but they're not at that just exceptional level yet. That's fair. I think the age-old question, too, is, like, how much longer does Tom Brady have left? You know, he's, he's what, 44 now, and he's still going at an MVP level? It's just – it's unbelievable. Yeah, Brady's just immortal, and that's the power of Brady. Everybody stays on the team for next season trying to repeat. That, that's, just, that's just the power he has as a, as a quarterback. He, everybody just wants to stay with him. That's all there is to it. And the Bucs, they really pulled, they really pulled it through this offseason. And I do see them as a possible Super Bowl favorite. Um, the teams I'm, uh, well, even though I'm a Patriots fan, I'm not expecting much from them. I think this will be a rebuilding period. And we have a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones that with best of luck, best of luck to him. But I'm pretty sure the Patriots will still be real rebuilding. They could be in the playoffs, but I don't see them going far. Uh, team, the teams I do expect to improve a lot on are the Miami Dolphins and the Cleveland Browns. Miami has a lot to prove with Tua in his second year at the quarterback position. He has impressed a lot his rookie year, but there were some uh, flaws that needed to be edged out for this offseason. And I'm hoping that uh, I support Miami in trying to make the playoffs. Hopefully they have a better record, even though it was our, it was good. 10 and six last year, but this season they should really aim for really uh, clinching a spot. And for the Browns, they went uh, as far as they could. They, they impressed me. They beat the Steelers in the wild card and got to the divisional round, but they just couldn't go further than that. Uh, with a fully healthy team, I'm pretty sure they can go, they can become a possible dark horse to be a Super Bowl favorite should they go further than they did last year. You know, I, I was going to bring up the Patriots, and it's even better that you're a Patriots fan. But mm -hmm. where do you see them, like, record-wise? Because I was thinking, like, yes, you say it's rebuilding, but they went out and they spent a lot of money in free agency. They brought in a lot of talent. Uh, we'll see if Gilmore comes back. But Mac Jones is a quarterback. Obviously, Cam Newton's been cut. 
what, what, what do you think? What do you foresee as like an overview by the time the season ends? Where do you see them? Record-wise, I see since it's 17 games this year, mm-hmm. I'm thinking nine and eight or 10 and seven. Okay, that's fair. So we could have three playoff teams coming out of the AFC East. It, it could happen. It's not likely, but it, it could happen. Hey, if the division leader, regardless of the record, continues making the playoffs, uh, anything can happen in the NFL. <laughs> and Tom Brady is the definition of anything can happen as long as he is on a Super Bowl winning team. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Honestly. That's in anything to add, though. Especially being a huge Dolphins fan, I'm really excited to see what Tua, how Tua will improve this season, assuming he will. I, I am. I am very much a fan of Tua, um, and I'm really interested to see how he'll do with what should be an improved receiving core, adding Jalen Waddle in the draft yeah. and getting Will Fuller on the outside. Um, the amount of speed that the Dolphins have at, at that position is it, it's it's kind of overwhelming. I think I was a fan. I mean, you have guys like Jakeem Grant who is has Tyreek Hill level speed. He just doesn't have the same. He's not as good as a receiver as Tyreek Hill, but when he has the ball in his hands, he's quite an electric player. And Albert Wilson, who, when he played in 2018 and 2019, led the NFL in yards after catch. Um, So the Dolphins have a lot of guys that can make, you know, defensive players miss their tackles. Um, But it's also a matter of Tua being able to have the time to throw the ball because there's a lot of new players at the offensive line position um, for the Dolphins. And I'm personally not very concerned about the defense. Um, Keeping Xavier Howard was extremely important. Um, But I think this should be an improved year. And the AFC East should be extremely competitive. Um, Well, except for that team in New York. (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah, we don't acknowledge them. I, I'm a fan of the real New York team. So, uh, <laughs> the Giants. Yes. Yeah. They have been suffering for many years. Uh, I, I, let, let's just lay it off them for now. But yeah, they're not going to do anything in the AFC East. Um, no. Now we move forward to Major League Baseball. Uh, guys, have there been any. Uh, bright spots that you've seen recently from from any team that you've watched recently oh god don't, don't get me started i'm a mets fan so oh yeah it's been rough for me um i mean you got, tr- you, you got 69 wins though so you should it should all be good <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah i guess that's one way to look at it just <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I gotta stop myself but i'll talk briefly about just javi baez and francisco lindor mainly francisco lindor we're stuck with him for 10 years. He brings his buddy in from Chicago. His buddy's out there booing fans in New York. And that's just one thing you don't do. You don't disrespect New York fans. And <laughs> man, it's, it's just it's just a childhood of trauma <laughs> growing up rooting for this team. And then into my adult life still continues. Hopefully one, uh, at some point I'll be proud uh, to be a Mets fan. That's <laughs> <laughs> anything. Uh, see, I, I'm a Marlins fan. Um, I, I thought maybe after last season that we could build, we could continue mm-hmm. some momentum after making the playoffs last year. At and this point, the, I'm, 
I'm stunned. I, I'm still shocked that we made the playoffs last season because this, this year, I haven't been following them too much, but every time I've checked in, we have just been abysmal. I mean, it, it is it is looking – we're starting to look like that team again um, that was on the field a couple – or pretty much the year after we traded Stanton, you know, when a lot of those guys were gone, like Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna, um, and D Gordon. Like, it, it's just – it's a really young team again, but they got some prospects in who hopefully – can improve the team in three or four years will that happen is a marlins fan i would love to say that i'm confident in them but i'm also a marlins fan and i'm not going to get my <laughs> hopes up too high hey you've seen more world series in your lifetime than i have so <laughs> hey that we somehow we have won two i guess yeah. no hey, idea how that's something to be happy about for my Red Sox, um, they're pretty much middle of the pack, but it, it looks like uh, Tampa Bay is looking like a possible World Series favorite. Yep, it, it's hard to beat a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, did they? Didn't they win the World Series last season? They did. They lost to the Dodgers in the World Series. Oh yeah, they yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, jogging my memory. But yeah, Tampa Bay, they're possible. They're likely finalists. Like if Boston can really catch up with a team like that, they, they really need, they need to keep retooling and same for the Marlins, same for the Mets. They just got to keep retooling to really be much better than they are right now. Yeah. And now, and I feel like when it comes to baseball, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Uh, I was just going to say like, we should just mention Shohei Otani for like 30 seconds. He's just the biggest <laughs> thing going in baseball. Yeah. But I've been hearing his name a lot. He's been going off. <laughs> the dude does not stop. Is he's Incredible. close to fifty home runs, isn't he? At this mm -hmm. point, yeah. I I mean, the fact that he's on the same team as Mike Trout, mm -hmm. it like Otani might not even be the best player on the team, which is a scary thought. Now, granted, he that's up for debate because. Uh, <sighs> You have two of the, at least right now, the best players in the game. That is just, um, it's amazing. But knowing the Angels, will they do anything with that? <laughs> Probably not, sadly. So. Yeah, you got two generational players and you can't make the playoffs. That's just, that's, <laughs> that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's, that's major pain. And... Our last topic for today is uh, FIFA World Cup qualifying. Uh, World Cup offers uh, came came back uh, last week uh, to start off September. And the U.S. played two games so far. They'll be playing their third and third and last one for this month against, if I recall correctly, Honduras. And so far for the first two games, they've drawn 0-0 against El Salvador. And uh, the one I watched yesterday, 1-1. Uh, tie between against uh canada oh boy i don't i don't know what to think of the u.s men's national team like they have a lot of talent on their roster in christian polisic weston mckinney giovanni rena tyler adams and most recently at the goalkeeper position besides zach Steffen, they have ethan horvath and matt turner 
I don't know what <laughs> they've been frustrating me, even though I'm not a fan of the U.S. men's national team, that's always, that, that will always go to Brazil. It's just been disappointing, like back-to-back -back draws when you've had so much potential on your team. That is not a good look so far for the U.S. Yeah, it's tough to see. It really is. Uh, it's been a mess. I think getting a point at Honduras, or excuse me, at, um, where was it, in El Salvador was a bit tougher, though, than a lot of people give them credit for. Granted, I, I think we should have defeated Canada. And talent-wise, I think we're the most talented team in, in all of CONCACAF. And that includes Mexico. The problem is that when you want, like when I've seen them play, they just haven't, at least this group of players in this qualifying rounds, they haven't played very well cohesively as a unit, you know? Um, and I think th this, um, with these next few international windows coming up, it's going to get to the point where it's going to be make or break, not only for, not necessarily for the players, because a lot of them are young and they're going to be coming through the ranks. They're going to be here for, they're, they're here to stay. You know, when you talk about guys like Pulisic, Rea, uh, McKenney, Tyler Adams, all those guys, but for Greg Berhalter, he's got to prove that he's good enough to coach this team. I mean, I would not be surprised if we go into the third or fourth round of qualifying. And if we're not, you know, I don't want to say a shirt to spot if, but, but if we are not playing as we should be, I think his job could be on the line for sure. And they might look for a much what a lot of people would probably consider a higher quality coach. So I hope it doesn't get to that point because I don't think the U S the men's team doesn't need another, we don't need any more instability than we've had, but um, I think going into the next round against after this game against Honduras, when we face Jamaica, Panama and Costa Rica, I think those will be really important because we'll probably bring in a very similar team and they'll hopefully be able to play more as a unit rather than really good individually. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all a matter of playing with actual chemist team chemistry and not just playing like solo, like they're a group of individuals, as you said, like they just need a gel. Like their, their, their group of players are talented. No, make no mistake about it. They have a talented group of players that can real that can really set the bar high for the future of U.S. soccer. But if back-to-back -back draws is all they can manage, not scoring any goals against El Salvador, well, credit to El Salvador really by keeping the U.S. scoreless. And then there's Canada, who has a world-class player now, Alfonso Davies, who he was probably one of the best uh, left backs in his position. So. The U.S. has to make their mark because if they don't make a mark in this World Cup qualifying cycle, like what is their identity? Like what's what is a, a signature play style that teams will have to be scared of? If no team is scared of the U.S., what point is there in having this group of players be play every game from here on out? 
What they need is an identity. And right now, that identity isn't there yet. Uh, Kevin, is there anything you want to comment about U.S. soccer before we go? Uh, well, I don't, I don't follow. I don't really follow the FIFA World Cup. I, only, I was looking forward to watching Argentina. I do support them. I'll come oh. on yeah, I, yeah I, was, was... I was hoping to watch Brazil and Argentina, but <laughs> of course, drama. Yeah, that was that situation is unbelievable. Yeah, it was disappointing to see that, but hey, looking, reading about it, it's it's just, it's just a mess. It it really is just a mess. Yeah, that's what four players. They like the game starts, and then the ref comes out and just escorts four players from the field. It's like, what what is going on? Mm-hmm. Well, that that will be all for our first episode of the sports podcast for the fall semester. Uh, be sure to hit like and subscribe, and keep keep up with our notifications, and make sure to follow us on social media at upressonline.com and with our Twitter handles, uh, Rich twenty six for me, Rich twenty six Pereira for Eston, simply Eston Parker. And uh, Kevin, do you have a Twitter handle or? I do not. I, I don't. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta make one. I gotta get on there. <laughs> it's okay. We'll make sure to let everybody know who to follow, where, how to follow you on Twitter, and uh, follow us on Instagram, also at upressonline, and and visit our website at upressonline.com, and to keep up with all the news and sports alike. Thank you, and have a good day, everybody. Bye, everyone.